Welcome to Fiction to Function. I'm Sean Melton. I'm Seth Melton. I'm Jose Reyes. We are uh, in the next step of our Hey, Here's All of Our Buddies segment. <laughs> There's not really been a name for it. Um, but by this we point, I think came out. Up yeah, we, we really now, should have. I think we thought it would be like a good idea for yeah. um, This Our Buddy. <laughs> this This Our Buddy, episode four, or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, as stated, we're here with uh, our friend Jose. Um, Jose, for the sake of introducing you to into the fold, uh, how did we meet? Um, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. I would say, like, through different social circles, honestly, until we all just melted together. Um, but I would say the first time we actually, like, talked was probably around, like, 11 or 12, which is wild to think about. When you were that young? Yeah, because I'm 27 now. So you're 27, I'm 31, so I'm, okay. That makes, yeah, that makes sense, which is terrifying. <laughs> you were a big kid, by the way. I was. Like, you were a tall I've child. been the same height since 10. Yeah, that's like terrifying. that's actually not a lie. That's terrifying, <laughs> and that actually checks out. Cause do you remember seeing him? We yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cause like you said, there was I remember like our parents hung out in similar places, whatever, yada yada yada. So it's like, and you were always kind of the quiet guy who you did a lot of work with tech stuff. So I remember you kind of working in like tech booths and things like that. Yeah, audio lighting. Yep. And, and so and yeah. I thought you were. I would have thought that you were probably our age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know, I was just like so quiet, like that's the only thing that gravitated was technology, so I was like, okay, I'll just volunteer to do something with adults, because right. I was so like, I was the only child, so like I only interacted with adults, so I was yeah. like, let's just keep it going, I guess. This is what I'm used to, this all stick. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Okay, and so, because I think the first time we would kind of be in the same vicinity was... Summer camp. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I know that, and so it's interesting because... And I guess that kind of goes back into it as well, because you were obviously in a different age group. Which, so were you more, do you remember more of, because our younger brother Shane would have been... Yeah, Shane and I were probably more in the same groups and same activities. Okay, because you guys were in like the younger... Yeah, I was probably the oldest of that group, but I was still linked with it. Sure. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And so that, I guess, also plays into probably why we would have crossed so many paths and never really... Yeah, connect. I'm taking we up Shane or Skylar or whatever. Until we were know. older, right. Um, and then so, kind of moving into that portion, how many years ago was it that we kind of, because it was through our cousin. Yeah. Our younger cousin that he was pretty close with you, right? Yeah. He was, uh, at that point I was already mentoring some of the younger groups and he was in that. And then... Again, like, I was just trying not to hang out with people my age, which was weird. So then he was like, hey, like, my cousins are on your age. You should, like, like you like the same music. And sure. it was brand new, you know. So that's where we all, like, really connected was yeah. that concert. That's right. And so that was the concert we went to. We went to a, okay, so we went to a brand new concert. And I remember that, yeah, because I remember him talking about um, the two of us kind of, and God bless him, trying to, like, kind of merge those two groups before, because he, he moved to Tennessee. Yeah. And so we inherited you. Consolation <laughs> prize. No, it's been great. And what was interesting is that uh, we shared so many similar interests that we didn't know we shared. Obviously, there was the music piece, yeah. the concerts that we went to. We talked about that before, how we used to... You still, God bless you, you still... The, the too old for the concerts bug hasn't caught you. No. 
Aren't I, I you mean, going somewhere this weekend? Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. going to two concerts, actually. This <laughs> I don't know how you do it. No, like, I probably did hit that. Like, uh, around 23 from 25, I was just like, uh... Like, I wasn't feeling it anymore. Sure. And I was all about, like, oh, that's an experience, and then I wasn't feeling it, and then all of a sudden, I was just like, yeah, screw it. Right. And now I'm back in it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So you went through a lull, so maybe it'll happen for us, but probably not. <laughs> no. Um, and then the movies, that kind of uh, became one of the real... Yeah, the real glue. Yeah, which, how did that... Do you remember the first incident of that? Yeah, I mean, you guys have mentioned it uh, for yourselves, Back to the Future. Oh, that's right. Um, my parents raised me like I was in the 80s. Yeah. So my dad was all about watching things at home. So he had, like, the full sound system that you could have in the 90s. And then... <laughs> HBO was huge, so every Friday we just saw whatever was coming out that Friday. Okay. And it just had a sound great, look great, and then he had, like, a huge VHS collection. So, yeah, like, Terminator, Back to the Future, Aliens, um, yeah, like, the Gremlins, like, everything, <laughs> 80s. And I guess that makes sense, too, because you kind of gravitated to the uh, technical aspects of filmmaking, right? Yeah. And you went to school for that? Mm-hmm. I uh, went for mainly cinematography, but I... S- I kind of, like, did little science, like, uh, audio, editing, and then, I mean, lighting is cinematography, but, like, trying to specialize a little bit more in it. Right. So I just wanted to be the jack of all trades. Sure. If I needed to. And do you think that, do you, do you track that to, do you attribute to that to your dad and his fascination with the technical side of those? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, today I wouldn't call him an audiophile or a cinephile at all, by any means, but, like... I mean, he used to build computers, too, and I got that from him. So I just think this, like, this really hands-on thing of making art was really what gravitated me towards it. So it's like I always wanted to put the pieces together. Okay. It was like Legos. So I was like, oh, cool. I can engineer this thing and, and actually evoke something. Right. So I was always... Yeah. yeah, and I think... And it was similar for us because we had... We were in a, a interesting age gap because my mother... Our mother is one of six kids and the youngest kids in that circle are only you know i think that the youngest one is like 13 years older than me and so it winds up we were in this interesting gap where we didn't have like for me i was the oldest not just of our siblings but also of our cousins and so i'm the oldest cousin so the only people the next person youngest closest to me is my mom's youngest siblings and so i would kind of get into a lot of the things that they were already into. And so that's where a lot of, like, that's where, I mean, Back to the Future was a really big deal. Um, like you said, you know, Terminator, uh, things like that. All the Marvel stuff, X-Men. too. X-Men. Yeah. X-Men. X-Men was really big, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, it was really big in the 90s from the cartoon, but also they were, our mm-hmm. aunts and uncles were super into the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so... That kind of is that kind of what connected you with, because um, I know one of the big connections that we really clicked on, as we said, was film. There's music, and then there was also film. Uh, did that, and I know that the technical aspect kind of drew you in. What else was it about that that kind of captivated you? I mean, it's weird, but like I I do remember like the first time I went to movie theater, and so like my. It was Aladdin, and I actually remember sitting down, my parents buying me, like, popcorn, giving it to me, and, like, I remember how, like, fresh it, it smelled, 
and then just like the lights dimming and there was trailers and I was like, well, they're like mini movies in front of a movie. That's right. awesome already. So I was like ready to go. And like, no, 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 we're seeing Aladdin. And they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, Aladdin. And yeah, it just came on and I was just like so cool, like seeing my parents and then I was glued to the screen and then seeing how like captivated I could be on one thing. Like being so young too. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, I want to do that. That's pretty cool. Like, and I want to make that. Yeah, I want to do that for someone else. Right. And then, so my little brain was like, oh, how do I begin to make something like that? And that's probably how it all just branched out. Like, like even, like, with making computers, like, I'm more into making the computer than being able to use it. Like, I'd rather create the best computer not to actually, like, put it to its spaces, but, like, literally just to say I built the best computer, which is interesting, but... Yeah, and I guess that makes sense because it's interesting whenever you and I, especially when we first started hanging out, which was probably, how many years ago did we like actually become quote-unquote friends? Five or six. Okay, so about five or six years ago, which I can't believe it's been that long, um, but it's, so about five or six years ago when we started, you know, actually forming a legitimate relationship, um, I remember when we would watch a movie, I would always be so taken in with a lot of how it looked. Um, cinematography is a really big deal to me, but it was primarily usually the story and how that was being conveyed in the themes. And then you would talk about like, oh, this technique that they're kind of going at and things like that. And it's, and it really is interesting for me because it's not, it's really not my go-to, but it's, it's true. It's even something that's always so fascinating to me when I'll, when you'll watch these video essays of like directors where they explain like, you know, for example, like the Coen brothers talking about how they do back and forth dialogue. And so it's like shot, counter shot and what that's trying to have you know, evoke. And that's kind of secondary for me, uh, is in terms of, you know, when you're thinking of the writing and a screenplay, things like that, um, how it's shot and even how it's acted, but the biggest probably being the themes that it's trying to convey. The technical aspect of it is not one I think about as much and you would just go straight there. And that always fascinated me. I mean, like, yeah, it's weird when I watch a movie, like I'm first like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm seeing. Why did they go that route? for me to do that and then I just like spiral off and I just go on the tangents like well it's probably because he did a POV shot of this and then that makes you connect so much with this character allowing you to easily access this world he's created or she's created you know yeah so I love you know is everyone here well knows I, I love David Fincher um, I love his approach and in his, his general uh, methods for you know filmmaking are fascinating to me and he has this great quote. I remember where he says it takes, you know, a whole production team and cameras and lasers and actors and all of this, all these people to do one thing, and that's to impart a feeling. And that's what you're trying to do. And I think like that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So you have the feeling and then you go, well, what brought that on? Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So now is when we usually go into uh, what made you choose this film? Because in this series that we're working on, we're trying to kind of really introduce the people who, you know, we think others might be interested in listening to as much as I'm listening, interested in listening to. Mm-hmm. We kind of go, okay, well, if this is the film that's important to you, you know, why would you bring that? And it's funny because I know we've talked a lot about, uh, there was a part of me that was for sure that you were going to bring back to the future to the table because I, and I was excited for it because I know how much I love that. And I thought that for sure it'd be something, you know, older, but what you chose was, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about why you chose that, but specific before we get into the film in and, of, in and of itself, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about 
Spider-Man because I know how much I know my history with Spider-Man and I know Seth's history with Spider-Man and I know a fair deal about your history with Spider-Man and I know that that's he's kind of your guy yeah for sure and so I kind of wanted to hear where that came from and what that was like pre this movie pre this movie so I mean Spider-Man's always interesting there's I've actually looked into a lot of uh, psychology stuff that's done with Stanley like Stanley actually found it really interesting how so many people gravitated towards him because he was, I don't know if you know, he was just like a one-off. So he was part of that fantasy line, and he was they were about to finish it. And he's like, well, I really thought of this guy. Let me just throw him in there. So he's like, okay, he's a throw-off, but he became so popular. Like, look at the influence Spider-Man's had on like so many things. And the idea is that, yes, there's Peter Parker, and yes, you know who's the man behind the mask, but anyone can see themselves behind the mask. And that really, especially with the time it came out, was, like, so huge because, like, I mean, everyone with whole, like, race, gender, or whatever, but they can see themselves behind the mask. Because there is this weird dissociation between, like, yes, there's Peter Parker, but Spider-Man's this entity. Yeah. And, like... Like, what he stands for, you mean? Exactly, what he stands for. Like, it's just... And he's so relatable. Everything that he goes through is just relatable. Um, Like, yeah, like... Anyone else has a mask, but they usually, you can see that they wear gloves. Like, you know, they have a shirt, and you can see their arms and their legs, and Spider-Man's, like, completely covered, so it's just easier to dive into that fantasy. Right. Um, But, yeah, like, I think my father was the one who introduced me to Spider-Man, and ever since that, I've just been stuck to it. Do you remember your first introduction to Spider-Man? Was it a comic? Was it the... Honestly, it's probably the 90s animated series. That's what I would have figured. Like, in hindsight, I would probably have to say that's what it was. And then, yeah, I just wanted comics. Because then, I didn't like reading at all. So, obviously, my parents were like, comics, read this. And then, yeah, that divulged into other stuff. What's funny is I think I was more into Spider-Man's villains <laughs> to, uh, prior to getting into Spider-Man himself. I didn't, like, really start getting into Spider-Man until I was, like, into... Uh, middle middle school, which makes sense because that's when like stuff with girls starts happening, and and you know, and you start experiencing more real life issues, right? Uh, start, and then you have to balance friendships with your home reality and and stuff like you know situations like that. So that's when he really like started to become me, right? You know, um, I was always into a lot more weird superheroes like. Uh, prior to that so um when you so, see the villains which villains i just well he just has such a plethora of vil- villains that i like shocker yeah uh mysterio i thought was cool chameleon yeah. i thought was really cool craven awesome. even was like ridiculous but cool yeah i mean I, obviously, and venom was gonna, obviously huge yeah, when i love we were coming venom, up. venom yeah and, and carnage as well for that yeah. matter um and then all the symbiotes that you don't even know as a kid what who they are, what they oh, they yeah. do, thrasher just, or whatever, a little thrasher. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's always just like I always feel like, especially as a kid, where it's like now you can just like go on Wikipedia and Spider-Man villains. It's like as a kid, it's so cool, especially when they were releasing toys and stuff. You just never. I mean, it's like I own toys I didn't even know were villains to Spider-Man, and then found out they were, and then I was just like, yes, I knew I love Spider-Man. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. hugely colorful. It's the camera. Yeah. It's interesting because this probably plays into why they were such big '90s cartoons. Mm-hmm. Because I remember being a kid. My two favorites were, and it's probably the same for you. It was like DC was Batman, mm-hmm. Marvel was Spider Man. 
Mm-hmm. which probably had to do with the fact that those were the cartoons that were out at the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, there was the X-Men. Yeah. I like the X-Men a lot, but I like Spider-Man more. Yeah, same. Um, and then those were the... those were the. Tw- uh, I remember the action figures we had, those were what we had the most of, were mm-hmm. our Spider-Man figures and our Batman yeah. figures. And now those are what I have the most of. Yeah, and yeah. it probably comes from the fact that they're, they both have such a colorful array of... Like you said, villains. There's their yeah. rogues gallery is huge for mm-hmm. both of them and interesting and fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they actually take care of their villains. Like, it's yeah. not like a villain to like. Oh, here's like a struggle for Spider-Man. It's literally like here's a another facet for Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 Well, it was rough. I mean, not to get like too into uh, you know the Marvel universe, but it is difficult because like you have characters like Daredevil who we loved growing up. Yeah, I remember but it's like it was a like, kingpin. And Bullseye, who was kind of lame, mm-hmm. a little bit. It's like he threw stuff really well or shot well. And right. It's like that was, and not to say there's not more villains if you dive into you know his story. But and then for me, growing up and even probably now, my favorite was always Punisher. And um, with that being said, it's like yeah, granted he's an anti-hero, but it's like Jigsaw, and that's really it. And Jigsaw is kind of lame. Sure. Um, so. So, I mean, it's just like, I think that, I think that not, I mean, this will, I guess, be this, uh, one of the segues into um, the conversation of Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse and all that. But um, I think a hero can only shine as bright as his villains are dark. You know what I mean? And it's like when you have them stacked so high against him, it's, it, it, it just makes for a better hero to have great villains, you know? Right. yeah, no, absolutely, and 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 you're right. I do think that it's. Uh, I think we should try and segue some because I, you know, this is an interesting one because there's so much that we could talk about about where Spider-Man's concerned in terms of his character, and not just the character of Peter Parker, but what it takes to be Spider-Man. Um, and I think that's what has always been so fascinating, especially if you grew up in a situation that was less than ideal in any facet. Mm-hmm. Um, if your situation was at, at growing up was at all turbulent, it's it's easy to relate with a character who's got such a flawed existence. Yeah, um, and so much of that kind of goes in into the film. So, like you said, without going too much more into it, uh, I mean, mine is similar with yours. It's yeah. the same. It's the same thing. We were you know yeah. we're brothers, and it was the same. We grew up watching that cartoon together. Right. I grew up loving Spider Man, and I remember growing up into the the Sam Raimi movies because those were some of the first mm-hmm. superhero movies. Yeah. Um, and to this day, it's like Spider Man Two is probably one of my favorite superhero movies. It's mm-hmm. got moments in it that are just I probably think of the uh, the train scene. Yeah, and them carrying him with his mask off. Yeah, uh, I'm getting goosebumps now. I probably think so. about that. There's, you know, yeah. few, few few superhero movie conversations I have talking about significance that that doesn't come up. Yeah. Because they were real game changers in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I was just mulling over what you told me, like, prepping for today, and you were like, what's something that represents you, but yet you're learning from, or something you have learned from? And all these movies we've mentioned, like, yeah, they're, like, some of my favorites, but in hindsight, like, I feel like I didn't outright learn too much from them or if I have like I'm just like it's so ingrained in me now that I can't give them credit and right now like it's so weird like this cartoon like it's teaching me so much and I feel like in the chapter I am or like in the season I am in my life it's actually just like keeps on like giving me wealth like just nuggets and if uh, you remember like with the premise with how how Spider-Man gets like 
Well, first, what's so interesting about it is they give you an origin to something that most people don't know. So, like, Miles Morales, yeah, people know, like, oh, yeah, there's, like, some half-Hispanic, half-black Spider-Man. But they literally took a storyline that's already happened in the comics and still were able to give you, okay, here's a new story, here's this thing we're introducing you, and they just melded it so well. But with all that, like, they still gave you, like, all right, so here's movie Spider-Man. And that's what I love the most. Like, the blonde Peter Parker, he was the perfect, most ideal thing you could ever think of when it comes to Spider-Man. Like, his intro literally ends with him in the sunset with the doves coming up from him. Right. Like, they couldn't have, like, heavy-handed given you, like, he is perfect. And it's so cool because it's... He is every embodiment of all the fiction that there is. Because, like, you see his bicycle. So that was a toy from the 90s. Right. You see his popsicle, which was a thing from the 90s. Like, it's literally, like, the, the memorability. Like, he actually is merchandise Spider-Man, which is funny enough. He's kind of the Spider-Man you idolatized. Yeah, he's like, this is what we're selling you. And it's, and it's so funny, though, because he is, like, genuine. Because when it comes to the scene where Kingpin is, like, about to press him on... He's like, all right, well, Miles, like, I have to teach you things. Like, this is how it's supposed to go. And it's so cool because that sets the tone for the rest of the film. It's like if he didn't get to exist, like, the perfect Peter didn't get to be there, like, it actually, like, wouldn't even happen. The whole movie would just be a, a wash. And, like, that's so cool because then they, like, give you imperfect Peter, but it's, like, literally Peter that is in the real world. So he's, like, divorced to Mary Jane. He's, like depressed it's like a contrast you mean correct so yeah. it's like there's this version of spider-man which in an, you talked about this about the idea that it it is an origin story which i love the fact that this is they found such a this film does such great things with breaking rules and then still adhering to them yeah. because it manages to be a comic book but still be a movie and just lean into that comic book side of it yeah even like you know every so often it'll say you know clackety 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 it'll be in the background or what one i just caught this time is when he throws the bagel yeah. and it hits a guy in the head it says bagel which is hilarious but then also because this is the first film to kind of take the audience to understand the comic book lore like oh, yeah. it's like you already know this and they even do it in a playful way of all right let's do this one more time yeah. Um, but like you said, uh, I, I like that idea that as it pertains to this Spider-Man, this is probably the Spider-Man that you all look at and go, I could never be Spider-Man, though. And it's heartbreaking, too, mm -hmm. by the way, because I kept That's thinking so about – because so you're you're 27 years old, right? I got to be honest with you, this last time I was thinking about it, I, was, I kept thinking about how, like, we have a brother who's this age because he's 26 and guys. Yeah, and I was thinking that this time, How too. heartbreaking is that? Especially when you hear him, like, it's like – makes me cry but when he's talking and he's like i get up i always get up mm. it's heartbreaking because yeah. you can see that he's like he's he's spider-man he's a good guy who's trying to do what's right yeah. in the face of you know gigantic adversaries literally not mm. just kingpin but then this version of God, norman osborne yeah. yeah who's like this huge like literal monster mm -hmm. and he still is optimistic in the face of it right up until the end yeah. um but so again, you were talking about this per this perfect ideal of Spider-Man, in, in contrast with with a more realistic Spider-Man, like this being the spot being uh, the Spider-Man who is divorced now. Correct. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really good. Like, uh, it's just so odd. Like, I mean, I talked about Spider-Man because you can see yourself behind the mask, but like the movie just is about that. 
And it does such a good way to put you in that seat. Mm-hmm. They're like, you may not know Spider-Man, but you do know Spider-Man because how can you not? And it's like, you know Spider-Man because you know of this image. You know, like, uh, I keep thinking, like, of the... Like, the spotlight with his head on it, like, in mm-hmm. Islands of Adventure in Universal. Right. And it's like, they turn it on, it's like, almost like a version of the bad signal, but it's yeah. Spider-Man. And it's right. like, how can you live up to that thing? And it's like, it's so cool, because they're like, hey, you know that, alright? Like, let's sit you down, make it more grill. And that's what's so cool about Spider-Man as a whole, because... Yeah, he's he can climb walls and he has like superhuman strength and he's fighting a green goblin, but he literally has to worry about like, hey, there's a cute girl in class. Yeah. And they just And I don't know how to talk to her. Exactly. Like it's actually if we were superheroes, like they're like we would still have to pay bills and taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you can't evade that. I and mean, that's so cool. Like they actually like make it realistic. Right. Mm-hmm. So going back to I guess dark haired Peter or depressed Peter like, it's so interesting how this movie's being highlighted for so many different things, but I'm, I'm surprised how that's not being highlighted. Which the part? fact that he's, like, actually, his mental health is so decrepit. Right. Like, he chooses to be the guy to die, like, a hundred times in this movie. Like, he is willing to lay down his life because his life is so bad to go back to. Right. And the whole idea of... Well, the whole idea of, like, Spider-Man gains from suffering. Like, there's actually, like... A le- what are you going to do with suffering? Like, Kingpin has suffering. He's the image of, this is how the balance can go poorly. Yeah. So he wants his family back. He's willing to do whatever, kill whoever, to get his family or a version of his family back. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. And then you see all these different stories with Gwen and Penny um, and Noir, Spider-Man. It's like, they had lost, and they actually accomplished something. Like, they left that mountain. They didn't let it defeat them. And here's... This Spider-Man, who, like, was able to go through that with Ben, but then gets hit with another punch with Mary Jane. And yet, it's something he still can't get through. And it's, like, it's really cool because they're actually, like, showing you every stage that you can. So it's, like, okay, what's your first adversity? You can get bad at that. And, like, you're going to be on top of the world. But, hey, remember, there's something else down the road that you're probably going to fail at that you still need to do something better at. And then Kingpin is always there being, like, this is your warning. Don't ever get here. And what do you mean? So, like, he's, he's like, symbolizes, like, the in, the poor choice with adversity or the poor choice when suffering hits you. So you can be the guy who just wallows in it and lets it defeat you or you can keep on picking up, you know? Like, right. every little thing, like, every little thread that they say actually goes back into, I think, the main issue where it's, like, you can take suffering and make it positive. Or you can be in a negative state and still live out positively. So, I mean, I don't think that's the general no, case, but... Right, and, no, and I think that that is a really good point because it, it's not... I remember when I was younger, thinking, especially during some of like, the harder times in life, yeah, thinking like, well, you get past this, and then that was the difficult thing you went through. But at the end of the movie, the you know football team wins or you know the guy gets the girl or you know the the woman finds out that you know the small town that she you know is trying to get away from is like always like what she needed all along and whatever and it wraps up and you know a lot of films you watch when you're younger at least and you get older and you realize that they keep coming Mm -hmm. which i think is one of the big allures has always been one of the big allures to me with peter parker is that no film 
has gone as dark as Peter's life's gone. No film. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure there's a list out there of, like, top ten worst things to happen to Spider-Man. Just Google that and see what you find. Because I don't even feel like talking about it on here because there's some stuff that's, like, so dark. Especially the stuff that, like, Norman Osborn does. It's like, yeah. it, it, he, you know, it's, there's so many awful things that happen to Peter and yet he keeps going to bat for what's right because... That's who he is. Because that's who he is. And because and because who else is going to do it? No, that, Which responsibility, I think, is a yeah. huge uh, theme and obviously is a huge theme in this film. Well, that's what's so good, too. Like, the scene where Peter's trying to run away. So, like, the the brunette Peter is trying to run away from Miles. He's like, no, no, I just got to get back. It's cool. Don't worry, kid. Like, you can handle your own issues. He's like, come on, with great responsibility. He's like, don't you finish that, because I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm tired of it. That, like, that sticks with me so much with this movie. Because it's like, again, it's like with if us. Like, we could easily, like, you could be going through something, and I'm like, hey, remember, like, things always good. But, like, th- sometimes that's not enough. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. Like, this movie just does a really, really good job of personifying how someone is in a low place and needing to use, like, the image of Spider-Man or whatever you actually, like your moral whatever to get through that hump. And it's just, it's really well done. And like, I love how there's so many layers. Like we get five different examples of it. We get um, juxtapositions of each other. Like I really think Perfect Peter and then Depressed Peter are obviously supposed to be head to head. And then Kingpin's always like the reflection of all of them. Like how you can go wrong. It's just, it's really well done. Like, yeah, because here's a guy who's still hurting mm-hmm. and wants his family and yada, yada, yada. But he's, I mean, gone. It's Everything's his fault. <laughs> Everything yeah. he, that's happened to him is his fault. I, I, honest, I can't think of a more clever way they could have done the Spider-Verse because it seems so uh, so childlike almost. Like Yeah, and it's so grandiose. The yeah. fact that they did it. As well as they did, it's, oh, it's, it's easy to mess up, like yeah, so, easy. so easy, and be, yeah. to be cheesy and stupid. But they they did it, yeah, right. And so shifting the 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 focus a little bit from Peter Parker Spider Man um, over to Miles, mm-hmm. yeah. And we talked some about this idea of responsibility, yeah. And I kind of want to talk about that more. Well, yeah, I mean, I think in general the the I mean the film the essence of the film is like. Uh, which is the essence of Spider-Man's story, but is having like like the importance of life thrusting responsibility on you and how you handle that, um, and I just think that that's you know this does a very good job at it like, and especially with each individual Spider-Man like showing how each one did the same thing, which is like they they were able to like bear it and you know especially because it's Spider-Man grin, you know, and take it on and, and, um, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you know, I don't, I guess I don't think about that. It's so, when I think about Spider-Man and why I love him, I tend to think of the fact that he deals with so many real life problems. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because it's interesting because Spider-Man, Spider-Man is always, Peter Parker and Peter Parker is always Spider-Man. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they always are dealing with the same things. Like you'll, the, I used to always used to, even used to love watching the show. So, for example, um, I I know that we've talked some Seth about how getting older, we might 
relate to other characters more because like Jose, I know this is still your guy. Spider Man's your guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there's certainly a world for like even you read Civil War the comic and things like that. And he's, Peter is like a grown up who mm-hmm. is dealing with things as a grown up. Um, so there's certainly that world for him. But it's interesting like there's other characters like uh, your guy would be Seth. Batman. Yeah. Batman's kind of your dude. I'm a Batman boy. Yeah. yeah. And for me, like, Captain America is, yeah. that's really, that's kind of my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know yours is still Peter. And I want to get, I want to uh, talk a little bit more about that later. But I bring it up because there's certain characters, and it's funny because so even all three of these characters, I think this is the case with a lot of superheroes, Steve Rogers is, that's who I like. I say Captain America, but it's Steve Rogers. Yeah. Because there's been, it's like, you can throw a dart at a wall of, like, superhero plot lines over the last, like, 20 years, and you're, you're going to hit one where Captain America's made everybody mad because of his principles. Yeah. But it's because of Steve Rogers' principles. Batman, Batman's an interesting situation because Bruce Wayne died in that alley, was, kind of. Batman was birthed in tragedy. Right. To correlate with Spider-Man and, and the whole idea of like responsibility and taking that on and but um it's just like the idea that like a better becoming a better person doesn't equal a better life. No. Never does. Very really, often very, does not. Yeah, and and um all of three Certainly of not an easier life. Specifically all three of these characters that we just mentioned, Batman, Captain America, Spider Man, like I mean really I think most superheroes out there it's right. something where it's like you know, that's what's so admirable I would say about them is that they they're heroes despite life not rewarding them for it over right and over and over. Yeah. Well and they're humans. And that's the other mm-hmm. thing too is like so Batman it's it's so interesting because, you know, Bruce Wayne is the persona. Yeah. That's the persona that's right. the mask. Yeah. Batman's the person. And then you take Spider Man. And again and so when you and I bring this up because when you talk about I think so much about the the Peter who's dealt with such terrible things. But he's hilarious. Mm-hmm. He's always kind of spitting, you know, some sort of wise sly crack. remark or yeah. wisecrack or something. And so when you say he takes it with a grin, he really does. He yeah, takes it and continues yeah. to be. And I love that. Yeah, that he, that in any adaptation to Parker, you know, is you have, or even Miles, though, that's what's so great is that they keep that, that core uh, aspect of him still alive where he has the sense of humor that, like, you know, you can't, you can't, that's sometimes even something in something probably in a bad way that I can relate with Batman, but it's like, the, the, you have to have a sense of humor right. and to get through life in general, you know, and, and uh, I love that about Spider-Man, you know, is that he kind of, he, he takes it with a grin, you know. Right, and I think that that's, it, it again plays into that element where, and this is woven throughout the entire film, mm-hmm. is... This idea that to be Spider-Man is to be human. I love, and I, I don't even know if, by the way, it was in the film. Because I remember in the trailer they play it, and I when he's like, what makes you different makes you Spider-Man. Is that even in the movie? I don't think so. I don't remember hearing it, but it's in the trailers. Yeah. And it's, that's it. Yeah. He's like, you are you, and that makes you Spider-Man. Yeah. And so going back to, to Miles, it's so mm-hmm. interesting, like you said, to watch this person be thrust into you've got to deal with all of this right now because that's life. Yeah. Which, for anybody who's endured, you know, In a will tragic tragedy. Yes, yeah. a tragedy of some sort. It's, you will. It, that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. Is it was yesterday, it wasn't a problem, and today it was most of the yeah. time. 
sometimes like it's like you know your grandparent was you know fading away for years mm-hmm. and you kind of knew it but a lot of times it happens where it's like something happened and now we have to deal with it yeah. it's not even right now it's not enjoyable for me to talk about <laughs> you know this idea that you know what is it uh i've known people multiple people throughout my life who talk about this idea of like when storms come not if storms come when storms come yeah where will you be and what will you do and how will you handle that and that that's such a difficult it's such a difficult thing to go through and to watch you know here's another person who deals with it and really doesn't know how to to go move forward from there and it's so great too how like a cartoon just tackled that like we were able to I mean, it's just like what Peter does. Like, he has a kid, and he's like, listen, this is how life is. And this is, like, almost what the creators are doing for children, you know, and for right. adults. Like, you sat in this seat, but, A, listen, we're going to give you something. Right. Even though this vessel is just a cartoon that's flashy. Well, not knocking it, of course, you no, know, but you, it is. No, I know you're saying that is, like, a, that's almost a... Um, I know you're saying that tongue-in-cheek, a cartoon. Because, mm-hmm. really, like, this is an animated film. Yeah. Like, I'm very thankful that this one, that... Best Picture Award. Especially, briefly, did you see the, the this is just a funny kind of anecdote, but did you see the uh, Wreck-It Ralph? They, like, put out, um, like, packages and, you know, flyers and things like that saying, like, winner of Best Picture, because Disney was so sure that it had in the bag. You can see pictures of it online. It's so funny. It's so funny. And then this came and swept it up, and I'm glad it did, because, I mean, the animation's fantastic. We could talk about That's a whole other episode no, it's... for another podcast. But, yeah, and... Again, I know you can kind of try to find... It's interesting because you get older and the high school, Miles Morales or even Peter Parker, it can kind of become distant to you. Like, I remember him feeling so real to me when I was younger. Like, this is my... Again, like, that was my guy. Like, as I've gotten older, my favorite characters have changed. Peter's, you know, specifically Peter is still high up there. Um, But... It's interesting how, you know, so I actually just watched The Spectacular Spider-Man for the first time, which was fantastic. It's such a good series, and it's awful that it got canceled. Mm -hmm. But when I was watching it again, and I was watching with our younger cousin who just recently graduated from high school, it really put me again in that situation where I was getting so stressed out about, oh, he sounded like an idiot talking to, you know, (laughs) to this girl or things like that. And all of those things are still in... uh, this guy's life and he's still dealing with all these things and he's also still trying to like not upset his grandmother or sorry his, his aunt and he's still trying to you know live up to the expectations of his the family members that he respects and all that but all the while again dealing with more than anybody has any idea and i think the question kind of becomes and this is kind of a nice little you know you were saying jose that you're learning things from the film right now um and i think that one of the things that was so beautiful to me that I really caught this time around, because I've seen it twice now. This is the second time I've seen it was last night. And I love that when Miles doesn't know what to do, he goes to Spider-Man comics. No, I wrote, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And yeah, I, I, love, I that. love that. This idea that he's like, well, Peter's gone, so I'm, and I don't know how to deal with this, so I'll read these comics and maybe that will help me. And it's it's so beautiful because it's, it's I mean, it's what we're talking about right now is 20, 30-year-old cool. people. Yeah, and it's cool because they, like, turn the cliche on its head. Because it's like, what's the go-to right now? Oh, I'll Google it. Oh, yeah, I'll just, like, yeah, like it's, it used to be, like, I'll go into the library and just find a book and the first book I find. But, like, he's, like, literally digging through thousands of comics to try to figure this out. And it's, like, it's 
Yeah, it's just so fun. Because what he's dealing with, you can't Google. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, by the way, I think goes for the case. And I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good, that's as good as any uh, vindication for what it is that we're doing with this podcast, what we're trying to accomplish with this podcast, mm-hmm. is this idea that you can't Google how to deal with xyz some of those things like yeah, you can read you articles this way or, yeah yeah um, but there's different than having something and granted he's in that case he's literally looking at trying to how do you you know stick to walls but it i think that it's it's definitely um more meaningful than that good metaphor yeah it really is yeah but also with that too like how uh so in the beginning miles is just miles and they like do a good job of like stressing that like he can't even climb the fence like <laughs> yeah that's right a goober and, like, his family's even stressing it. And then he gets bit by the spider and he gets thrust into the comic book world. Like, he cannot... Like, his thoughts aren't bubbles. His, yeah. like, actions aren't flashy. They're not mm-hmm. picture frames until he gets bit. And then... It's another great technical point I missed. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's interesting. I, I, was, I would assume that you would pick that up. That makes sense. Yeah. Was he was saying before... Thing. before it's yeah. He starts talking thinking in bubbles and things like that after yeah. he gets bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, the first time I saw it, that was the first thing where I was like, when I, I first I saw it in the theater, I was like, oh, this is good. And then that first technical thing, I was like, wow, that is so smart. Right. And then, so going into that, though, it's like, they're still playing with you. Like, which is, that's another cool thing that they did was, okay, so now you're like, oh, he's in the comic book world, he's set. And that well, another thing that I was watching this movie, I was just like, oh, please don't let him just be like a god now. Like, he just got bit and he yeah. can do whatever he wants. Like, no, he fails. And that's yeah. what's great. He's like, let me just leap off this thing because I know so Spider-Man can leap off. Like, no, nope, never mind. Let he's me go walking to the down the stairs. Tower. Yeah. He still fails. Like, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. No, this... Yeah. No, I... You know, that's actually... That's a big point I, I uh, wanted to bring up, which is the fact that, like, I love um, that Miles is such a rookie in the beginning, you know? And, and, um, and in fact, does need guidance you know um i feel like that that's something that uh storytelling has really failed at especially the last couple of years which is this idea that like you can just look inside yourself and be everything versus no you might need some guidance from people that know more than you right um which is a very hard thing for anyone to hear you know at least um, in this time it seems like it's like The idea is that the secret is within the individual all the time, and if you follow your heart, then that's the answer. Mm-hmm. And it's not always it's not always exactly that. I'm not, you know, trying to uh, deny that there's aspects of that that are certainly significant. Yeah. No, and I think I mean the the, the moral of the story is that it is inside of him, but he but you like the whole time. Yes. In a way. Yeah. But it's like you, you, you need guidance in life and you need someone wiser than you and that's your whole life. It's not just, it's not like you, you never make it to the top, you know? And it even goes both ways around. Like, it, I was going to say that. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, with, like, I love that the, the teacher, you know, being uh, Peter, you know, ends up learning. It's like, that's such a good lesson even for someone like me who's, you know, almost 30 uh, you know, it's something where it's like the importance of teaching yeah, and of being someone who's now responsible for someone who's not as wide. It's like you learn all the, the same as they do, but in a different way. You know, it's really cool too. Cause like going back to like 
so like the the quote was like he's the uh peter's like oh cool it's like i'm the teacher and you're the mentor and you're doing things like me just not as good yeah but it's like <laughs> he's like me when he says he says me the teacher who can still do it you the apprentice can. who can do it but not as well <laughs> yeah yeah so funny because it's and it's it's true but it's not and that's what's great like someone in a bad place can still teach you and like i yeah. like what you said because it's like so, like, it always reminds me of, like, my grandma. Like, I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. heard this. But it's, like, if you're the smartest person, you know you're doing it wrong. That's right. Yes. So, yes, you always, yeah, and you can always learn from someone. And that's so cool. And it's, like, you always kind of fought yourself back on that, too. Because you're, like, oh, well, if I'm not this, like, if I'm not learning from that person, I obviously am not able to teach anyone. But yet, you're still at a point where someone else isn't. So, that's you right. can be in a bad spot and still give someone... The, whatever they need like yeah but you yeah. can try and exactly. that's, what, that's what's cool is like it starts out and parker is like i'm not doing this and it's like he tries com- relatively incapable in a lot of ways you know at least not uh to the standard that he should be and yet in same thing with miles though and it's like these two are able to like get together and like you know sharpen each other throughout the film and you just see like you do see a teacher and student but it's going both ways and i think in life i don't i don't think that that's just the story i think that that's life you know i think that uh you really don't you know there's a idea that which i think is 100 percent accurate but that you really don't learn something unless if you teach something mm-hmm. sure. unless if you can teach it you know? yeah well and i think that it's a great testimony too that you've like you've never you will always learn and you've never fully arrived because even, and we're talking about this idea that it goes both ways, but I love this aspect that because we've seen stories where the older hero is, you know, or the, the, he's not doing anymore because he's kind of given up on life and things like that. What's interesting about this. And again, this is a great uh, kind of plays into that idea of Peter and Spider-Man being, one entity at the same time and same thing with miles and whatever but specifically where peter is concerned he's still fighting crime he's still mm-hmm. spider-man but it's like he let peter parker die mm-hmm. kind of in a sense do yes. you know what i mean yeah. because he he was too afraid and mm-hmm. who can blame him of having a child yeah it was almost easier to be spider-man than peter parker right yeah because of the things that he would have to face in his life mm-hmm. which are these fears like and, and it's so it's really a beautiful even I know so it really smart. is. It really is excellent. Yeah, well, and it's the, 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 just the idea that even like you know, in the way they they play it too is mm-hmm. so smart because they also play it where you you might not even get all the lessons that you're getting thrown at you because they all happen so quick. And some of them happen with humor. Like for example, when he's like, "I'm proud of you, buddy. Do I want kids?" And it's funny, but it's yeah. like, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, it's true. You're just afraid. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess to sum up that portion of it, you know, this time watching it around, uh, you know, there's a quote from um, Carl Jung that it says, uh, he says, um, the fool is the precursor to the savior. And I was like, that's, you know, I thought that that was very fitting for this movie, I mean, for really a lot of superhero origins and, you know stories but i love that quote in general um that you have to be the fool in order to be the master right you have to fail and you have to keep getting up until and eventually when you get up you'll you'll be the savior and i love that even because it's like just the savior to what and it's like maybe your family 
maybe your community, maybe yourself. Yeah. Maybe I mean you can be a savior to a lot of different things depending on how many times you get up and are have the capacity to withstand being a fool for so long. And I feel like Miles specifically was the fool almost the whole movie. And you know, I remember I think the first time I saw it I was not too happy with the fact that he kinda at the end got it all together, but I was the, you know, this time watching it around I kinda was like well, for one, it the first time I watched it, it ended, and I was like able to put my stamp of approval on it. You know, I was like, I loved it. You know, sure. Whereas watching it this time, I was a lot more enchanted with it. I'd probably say, yeah. Um, you were kind of skeptical, especially Sony putting out a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, you're kind of skeptical yeah. at the beginning where they were going to go. Which, right. Yeah, and we're going to get into it probably a little bit later. But the Spider Verse, I've I've always been like. You know, that whole, whenever comics do stuff like this, it's, like, very hard to do. It can, right. it can lose you. Yeah. And not, so, anyways, I mean, like, you know, I just think it's great to watch Miles be a fool the whole movie. But not a fool walking around aimlessly. No. That's another thing that is important. It's, like, be a fool, but be a fool going in a direction, you know? Because if you can be a fool going in a direction, you eventually will become You have a to savior. try. Responsibility or, is, the, that, is that important piece. Right. You have to bear responsibility being the fool, and then you can, you know, be the savior. And I'm like, that's such a cool concept, you know, for anyone, everyone. And specifically, you know, kind of going back to Miles and this idea of, well, you start the fool, and you start by going through, and, and you have this, I mean, it's, a hero, it's the hero's journey. So you've got this hero's journey portion yeah. that Miles is in in this picture. Um, and in that, going a little bit more to the uh, specificities between him, and the distinctions between him and Peter, because we've talked a lot about that aspect, and that's huge. But one of the things, and there's a few, but one of the things I really wanted to, to touch on that always impresses me with this film is Prowler, his uncle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love, first of all, that it's his uncle. And so we have a very similar story between our uncles died in an alley being shot by a criminal mm-hmm. with one huge distinction between the two mm-hmm. and that one person was an innocent guy who was what carrying groceries home or whatever and the other was a criminal himself he's a bounty hunter <laughs> he's a criminal yeah <laughs> i mean i loved prowler i love prowler uh, as well in this movie i i loved his score yeah i loved his costume design I love Mahershala Ali. Oh my gosh, I know he's the best. And I love his relationship with Miles. And briefly too, this voice the the voice cast is just fantastic. Oh, yeah, by the way, phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> but you were saying, and most of all, I love that story arc, which is uh, the even that in correlation to Miles, seeing as it is Miles' story. And Miles isn't to blame for him being a criminal and being Prowler and then getting shot for it. However, unlike like, Peter, you mean? Yeah, no, but I was, it, it is hard because it's like Miles has to bear the fact that being a hero means 
suffering in those ways. Now that he's dead, Prowler or uh, Aaron, yeah, Uncle, Uncle Aaron. Um, I mean, in technicality, he wouldn't be dead if he wasn't Spider-Man. And it's like that's kind of like a weird. It's like the bottom line is it's like that doesn't matter, but that's what Miles is thinking. Yeah, like he didn't kill me, and that got him killed. So now that's on me because he's dead. Right. You know what I mean? So you can you can say it's not hit Miles' fault, and I wouldn't blame Miles either. But I'm just saying like the idea of being a hero means your decisions, you know, have consequences, even if they're noble. It's a great character, it's an, and it's a heartbreaking uh, situation that he finds himself in. And to be honest with you, it's it's. I just love this idea that it's you know. It, it again paints that picture of, it's not going to be the same for everybody, but you yeah. can still relate with this character. You can still relate with Spider Man. You can still be, mm-hmm. Spider Man, because, and it, it's not based on your surroundings. It's on it's based on who you are and like what you decide. Yeah. to be and what you decide to do and the right that you decide to do mm-hmm. because you know in this case what if your uncle's not Ben mm-hmm. what if your uncle's not the one who's like giving you this advice which is interesting because he still kind of gave him I don't know that he gave him advice but he gave him motivation he, yeah, yeah it still played into he wanted the best for his nephew yeah, yeah. I think he's a good guy he, yeah I think he was at the end of the day yeah, yeah. I mean like just from like his speech when he dies like you can tell like it's a good guy who made poor decisions you know right, like and I mean I don't want to like downplay it too but it but is like really nice you he know? was a bounty hunter I'm not trying to I'm like, that does, <laughs> I know what you mean it does play into it like he wasn't like a he wasn't he's a not king yeah. yeah he wasn't yeah no. exactly I'm, and it's, it's and it's cool to see like a character like that too open it up he was like dude like Miles don't even like sweat like I made these poor decisions yeah. I can handle the consequence just right. please live vicariously you know like, right mm-hmm. and I like the idea that that is heartbreaking as it is you know what happened to Aaron Aaron helped build the person that Miles was and yes. it's the same way with his parents like you see how caring his mother is and how his father I, that's a character we haven't really talked i really like his dad a lot yeah. yeah um and the fact that and and it's interesting to have this idea of what their relationship must have been aaron mm-hmm. and uh well it's really miles interesting because like when i was watching it i mean if you know miles's story like his uncle dying is like originally how it goes but like in newer iterations they kill his dad actually okay. oh really and so i was like really like i don't know which way they're gonna go which way they're gonna go and like honestly it could have his dad could have died on the during the 911 call you know sure. so I was, but mm. it was it was interesting who they chased to take who they choose to take and yeah it's like miles's uncle is still gonna keep shaping him obviously yeah. you know like he's not dead for all that's the purposes you know right. he's still building miles who he is and that's mm-hmm. really cool right yeah no it's beautiful and once again, I think that any good hero story is predicated on relationships. Yeah. You know, and I love that with this one specifically, but even Spider-Man in general, like having like Aunt May and Mary Jane and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Even Norman Osborn. Like yeah, he's right. got a relationship, he has a relationship with Norman Osborn. Yeah. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite things about like Batman is his relationship with Alfred. Right. That's what, you know, makes him so much of who he is and what he is and so on and so forth. So it's like, uh, it's kind of cool to see how like, especially for uh, Miles being so young, it's like the, all these people 
you can see them contributing to who he is at yeah. the end of the day. Absolutely. You know? And that's all of us, I think. Um, so, well, and, you know, we've kind of, I feel like I've danced around this quote a lot because we keep talking about, you know, doing the right thing and, and standing up for something and, you know, being there for the underdog, whatever it is. And I keep going back to that fantastic quote at the end of this, which is by Stan Lee, which I have to say is, I think it's so beautiful that this is one of, this will have been one of his, you know, last cameos, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was in this film. uh, And Spider-Man was really his baby. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was like, it seemed like that's so much of where he put his Mm -hmm. energy. And uh, I love the quote at the end where it talks about this, you know, a person is a hero who will do the thing that, you know, they need to just because it can or should, or because it should be done or because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm paraphrasing of course, but uh, I kind of want to talk, you know, at the end here, a little bit about Stan Lee. The man, the myth, yeah. the legend. Because yeah. I know that, I know that that's, this is a powerful, I mean, obviously his presence is huge in all of mm-hmm. these movies, even, you know, Captain Marvel, just the the opening to Captain Marvel was beautiful. They had yeah. the Marvel was all in the, the theater we were in when we saw it on opening night. It was just, I'm sure uh, we saw it differently. Yeah, same. Yeah. It was yeah. everybody was cheering. Yeah. And it's, it's because this guy is, was a legend. Yeah. And, um, it was so sad. The day I saw this movie in theaters was two days after he passed away. Oh, really? And so it was so sad to see Peter die, and then the first thing you see is, like, Stan, and it's like, whoa. Like, right. It was literally his funeral. Yeah, like, yeah that's a good point. And it was, it, that led, like, I just wanted to cry, because I was like, wow, it's like, Peter, that's really sad, and they sell it good, but it's like, oh, wow, like, here's Stan Lee's cameo, and it's, like, even more sad. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so I wanted to talk about him a little bit toward at the end here um if you guys had any thoughts on yeah well for starters i you know i last time i watched it i did with i watched it with my wife and she um she was like i think that this is somehow my favorite spider-man movie right like funny enough me too you know really i think so yeah i mean i do love the second uh spider-man 2 but I think that this one, I do think it's just done so well, and um, I think that it has a transcendent meaning in it, uh, past, which we'll I'll, I'll go into at the end, very end of what that I feel like is, but just stay on the talk of, topic of Stan Lee. I love that he would. This is one of his last. Um, I don't. Do we know what his last is, by the way? Well, technically, we'll see them for years to come, which is a little sad because Marvel first saw him passing soon, so they made him film like eighteen or twenty something cameos that they're just gonna splice into the next MCU phases. Okay. So I mean, he is like gonna. I mean, the, the, there is a last cameo, of course, yeah. like in actuality, and I would say these are it. Yeah. Well, so whatever the case. I mean, uh, this being one of his last before he. Passed this away, right? The the last one before he passed away, then, right? He passed away, and then this came out a couple yeah, of days later. So, so that that I think that that's powerful because Spider Man is such a, uh, if nothing else, Spider Man was such a game changer for comics and heroes. Um, a lot like what you were saying in the beginning, which is, um, you know, I think he came out in nineteen sixty two or something like that, uh, and. You know, to present a hero that has problems that everyone can relate with, 
is just so powerful. And now we understand the value of that. But funny enough, back then, uh, they didn't, you know, um, a lot of the producers seem like a strange choice for a yeah, protagonist. It was like a, a superhero has to be something like, like having suffering was not like a noble thing. Oddly enough, you know, it was like, no, you have to succeeding was especially in America. And, um, and you can't have one without the other. And I think that Stanley saw that. And I think that that's what's so cool about Spider-Man. And I love what he says to, despite the fact it was like tongue in cheek, I love what he says to Miles when he says, uh, you know, something, I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, you know, like the suit, it, it always fits eventually. Oh, when he buys the costume. Yeah, and when he buys the costume and, he, and he's like, you know. Can I return it if it doesn't fit? He says, yeah, it'll, it'll always fit eventually. And, and, I, and then it says, like, no returns. And I, I thought that was funny, obviously. But the suit representing responsibility, which is eventually you will fit into it. Um, and that seems like a very, um, intimidating thing to, to think, uh, but it takes a leap of faith, you know, um, you know, and that being the case with, you know, whether you're starting a new job or getting married or having a kid or, um, any number of daunting tasks that you get presented with in life, you will eventually be the person that can take it on if you try. To take it on when you don't think you can take it on and and uh I, yeah I and i guess cool. that there's there's no returns yeah also and there's no returns yeah that that's that's right. that's what comes with it kind of the transcendent truth yeah and like you said it's funny because it it is such a funny scene but it is extremely profound yeah and such a wise there's a lot of that in this film there's a lot that of wisdom so I, and i love that i love that being one of his last ones because of the fact that it's like advice from the man you know, yeah. um, I feel like that's just, you know, where a lot of them have kind of been like tongue in cheek and only, but, but only like humorous and only humorous, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, oh, that's Stan Lee. And this one's more meaningful. Than this that. one's very meaningful. And I, I, I love that about it. No, that's, it just plays credit to them too. Like as directors, like they actually, they're like, oh, obviously we're going to have Stanley in this film. But then it's like, let's have Stan Lee actually contribute to this film. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone else is just like, let's have him be the gardener or whatever. Like, Sam, whatever. Like you said, it's like tongue-in-cheek. But it's like, yeah. why waste the creator of all this? You know, yeah. like, why waste his day on set just to look like a goof when you right. can actually, like, have him do some good voice? Like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a little upsetting, but it's, like, awesome that they chose to do something good with it. Yeah, yeah. No, this really, I mean, this might be my favorite. This is probably my favorite cameo. Yeah. yeah because, like you said, that idea that right now it might seem like it doesn't fit but mm-hmm. you'll be okay yeah give it some time yeah and also you know what what's the other option yeah you'll be surprised what's the other alternative what you're capable of yeah right and that's the no, i like that idea of like I mean, it's almost like the military in a sense, or like the uniform is like your armor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're putting on the suit because you're serving the duty, and it's like this kid is like choosing to put on the suit, and that's his armor, and that's what he's able to at least find comfort in, even though it's uncomfortable, obviously. Yeah. And it's like it's like you're you're scared to go on the roller coaster, but once that thing locks down, you gotta get on the roller coaster. Yeah. There's yeah. no halt in it. So you know, and, and it's cool. It's like the more you do that, obviously, the more accustomed or like you know the more you train resilient resilient you become to life and and you know 
to grow into it. So yeah, like you were saying with the leap of faith, um, I love how they like do it both for Peter and for Miles because mm-hmm. obviously that's what brings Miles out of his pit, and then he has to yet restate it for Peter. And I love that scene too when he's holding him over the vortex because I don't know how you guys read it, but I read it differently every time because he's like, "But what if I fail?" It's like you won't. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's a leap of faith, but it's like it's almost like. Is he really saying, like, hey, you're not going to fail, but he's like, oh, wait, like, because of his state of mind is already so negative, he's like, oh, no, wait, it's cool, because I can just get back up. Mm-hmm. Or is he literally referencing back to Leap of Faith? Yeah. You know, because he just says it so, like, straightforward. He's like, you won't. Yeah. And that's how Peter chooses to read it. He's like, oh, no, you mean that I just got to give it a try, no matter what. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, like, did you guys read it differently or not? Because, like, I've read it both ways, honestly. Yeah. I don't think I've given it much thought, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that's interesting. Um, I think that for me, um, what's so interesting, and this kind of ties back into the costume, and it ties back into, I guess it just talks about Spider-Man in, in general. Uh, and it kind of ties back to something that I wanted to mention earlier that we didn't talk about, which is the that moment when they're all talking about having lost somebody. Mm-hmm. Um which is heartbreaking, but yeah. beautiful because they're together in that camaraderie and they're all saying, yeah, I didn't lose, you know, my uncle the same way you did, but Peter says, I lost my uncle and, you know, I lost my best friend. I lost my father. I lost my, and it's, it it's a heartbreaking moment, but it's a beautiful moment and that they're in that together. And it, it, it's the idea, this idea that kind of, if you s- stick with it through those things, if you continue through those hard times, and this, like I said, it ties back into the, the costume, but it also goes into the leap of faith thing, that it's like, and I said this earlier, but what's the other alternative? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's exactly. like, this is the stuff that that builds you, and it's heartbreaking, but it's again, goes back to that, not if storms come, but when storms come, what will you do? Yeah, yeah and like, kingpin, I guess, that's the answer. Like, what, what else is there to do, but you can be a kingpin. You, you yeah, like, do you, you want to be, I mean? yeah, exactly. You can keep, wanting to go back to the past like that's yeah. you know he wants to find someone else's reality that he can accept now. and now he's become a monster twice over yep mm-hmm. and it's it, or you can take the leap of faith in whatever regard in whatever situation that's that that happens to be like you said whether it's like dealing with a difficult you know well i think the best correlation between kingpin when you were saying that earlier it's hard because i'm like obviously i don't i mean i guess that they're almost Aside from them being opposites, I'm like, why are they opposites? I, I've been thinking that since you mentioned that in the beginning, Jose. And, you know, I think it's just, like, fascinating because I think it's, like, the selflessness versus selfishness, you know. And mm-hmm. and that's a great contrast to have, you know. Yeah, um, yeah Peter wasn't trying to bring anybody back mm-hmm. as much as he might have wanted to. Oh, yeah. He dealt with the responsibility. And, again, he, he picked up the responsibility and he carried mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, that, and that is, like, I was already saying, like, oh, he had given up, but he actually did want to go back to his life. Like, mm-hmm. that was his number one goal. The crap life that he kept complaining about, he's still like, I got to get back to it, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous now that I think about it. Yeah. He actually wanted to go back to it, even though he's like, no, well, it's okay. I can die for you guys. Like, it's yeah. cool. Like, you were willing to do that, but you still understood, like, hey, I got to do this. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, in ending... In every uh, conversation that's like ever been had about Spider-Man, including this one, um, 
it gets said that he's the everyman, you know, and, and I, I think that's because it's true. Um, but a better question is why and what does that actually mean? For starters, to rope this whole thing into the movie, which is based on Spider-Verse, um, to be honest, I am usually not one who is about this type of thing, uh, like the Spider-Verse thing. And, and You mean like the multiple dimensions? Yeah, and because I, I, I don't like the fact that um, I feel like it's easy for them to uh, shoehorn characters uh, on like the coattails of existing characters. Yeah. Sure. And I feel like it's lazy writing and it's lazy... Um, character development and all of the above it's kind of you know it just feels disingenuous and it feels like a statement rather than a flushed out character sure you know what i mean absolutely um and um yeah i don't like it i, I would rather them come up with better ways to a in, new character a new character or something and something fresh and and um as opposed to saying thor's a robot now and yeah okay yeah right right exactly well right and that uh, and a, a good example of this it would be honestly hellboy for me, I, Hellboy, I love Hellboy, and and I mean, from scratch, and I think that that's brilliant. However, you know, what's funny is that I think that with the Spider-Verse that it doesn't take away from the character of Spider-Man, but it adds to the character of Spider-Man. So there's a, there's a common thread throughout it um, that transcends race or gender or uh you know any of that stuff and 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 i I think a good question is is what is that um i have my opinion um what i would say that the um, the essence of spider-man so to speak is is um that he's tenacious he's humble and he's willing to sacrifice and i think that if you remove any of those three elements, you lose that who Spider-Man is. And I think that that's what makes him such a noble inspiration for everyone. And um, I think that you have a lot of heroes out there that embody some of those elements for sure. And I don't think anything less of them, but I think that Spider-Man is such a noble character to strive towards because he keeps getting up He's humble about it, which is hard to fight for a cause and be humble about it, um, which goes into even him taking almost everything with a grin. And then he's the one that's willing to sacrifice time and time and time again. And a, be- a, n- a better way maybe to say that is even selfless. But um, yeah, those elements are just, you know, uh, things that I can't even say, like we were talking about earlier, but I can't even at this point in my life fully say I relate with Spider-Man um and I think that that's a sad thing rather than a good thing you know I think that he's something that I could I could learn some lessons from right Spider-Man yeah absolutely I think we all could yeah and I like this idea that he's you know and we've mentioned it before but that and I love it's like I think it might be the last line of the film is that you know it's like anyone can wear the mask Mm -hmm. uh which is you know, directly, as we mentioned kind of earlier, it's like directly quote taken from like a quote from Stan Lee. Is anybody can wear the mask. And then, you know, he says, if you didn't believe it before, I hope you believe it now. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. 
Uh, Jose, I really want you to take the last word on the this portion talking about the film because and, and I kind of was I wanted to I don't normally would have asked this question towards the beginning um, but I knew that so I I was assumed that so much of your answer would have to do with who Spider-Man is and all these things we've talked about and I don't want it to I wanted them to be things we really dove into but what I wanted to ask you is we talk about how you know you get older and certain characters kind of stick with you and again it's not to say I still I adore Spider-Man but Captain America is kind of where I find most of my you know uh, connections so I was talking about Batman and we have people who talk about Superman and, and it's great and all these answers are interesting um, and they're all good answers because you know so many of these characters are excellent characters but for you why is it still Spider-Man why this film why this character why did you bring this here why Spider-Man? Um, so Spider-Man, for me, is almost like a discipline, which is funny to say that something f- like fiction is a discipline. Because it's like like what you were saying, like you guys like don't want to go to concerts anymore, right? And like I've had that bout where like for a couple of years I didn't want to do it. But it's like, if I keep not doing it, I remember all the negative things. I'm like, oh yeah, there's too many people and this and that. And like... All those reasons could be actually the reasons why I actually love it, but like now they're negative. Until I go back to that concert, I'm like, oh yeah, this is why I love this. And what's cool about Spider-Man is like, yeah, he could be for kids or like his he's more relatable to a teenager. Um, but if you go back into it, like you were saying, you saw it with uh, Caleb and Spectacular Spider-Man, you're like, oh, like you got back into it. You were like, oh man, he sounded like an idiot when he spoke to that girl. You were able to go back into it. Oh yeah, it. so I was like anxious watching it. Yeah. Exactly. So like... With Spider-Man, it's like, you can maybe veer off the path, but as, as long as you're able to give it another try, you get sucked back into it. Like, you can actually let yourself be a kid again. And that's what's so cool about Spider-Man. Because with his humor and, and the things that he's dealing with, he allows you to find that common ground. Like, you don't have to be there. You can actually come at it with him. And that's what's so cool. Um... No, I think that that's a great point. I mean, I think that uh, I don't want to say he's childlike because I don't know if if that's the right word, but um, I will say that I guess in he's very sure he doesn't get he's not cynical and he very easily could be due to his life and his circumstances, and that goes for any of that's why I love smiles and and and. Peter and even Gwen Stacy, uh, yeah, Gwen Stacy. When, like, I didn't know that she watched Peter die and all this stuff. But the idea of just like sacrificing and suffering, and humility, and 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 maintaining that purity and maintaining, yeah, right. And not, and I mean, even like you just sit with the concert. I'm like, that's that's a very good point. It, which is, you know, you you, because I it's, it's like I. I've been to a concert and I can't remember when. It's like I just think of all the bad things, and it's like there's this idea of like, uh, I think time will do that to you, and Spider-Man has not let that happen, and that's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And yeah, and that, and that's what I love. Like, at the end of the day, like the story of suffering is like the, not not like the end all be all for Spider-Man, but like. It's the story of, like, a suffering can lead to great outcomes. 
um, it can lead to the responsibility to the power that everything comes with and that's just so great like that's why I love this film that's why I picked it and that's why Spider-Man Spider-Man takes the suffering and keeps on running and this movie like I not to get too preachy but like I love how Peter was depressed and that's like a thing now that we don't like to talk about yet we're bringing light to it and like you, you were saying back then people couldn't appreciate that like anyone can be behind the mask and now it's like something like hey we've kind of gotten better at we can understand each other in common ground and now it's like this movie ushers in some newer stuff or it's like hey the suffering is a little more important than we thought guys yeah. suffering can lead to good things and it can send you down a crazy spiral but you should choose not to mm-hmm. and yeah that's hard but the people around you can bring you out of it and the people around you could be with you on that same ground and still help you out of it mm-hmm. and that that's why spider-man spider-man just does that for me and I think it does it for you guys and it does it for so many people and that's why it keeps being a success yeah I totally agree I love that yeah yeah I think that 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 does it for us yeah Uh, as always you know I hope that you'll share help tell, tell people about us you know share the episodes whatever it might be uh leave us a rating on whatever it is you wind up using if you use you know apple podcasts or spotify i don't know if you can't even rate on spotify but you know rate like subscribe all the things that i'm supposed to say at the end here and just know that you know you'll be all right right like if 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 peter's all right and if miles is all right then, then you can be all right and uh Thanks for listening. Until next time. Take care.